So we're starting this new series, The Road to Easter. And, and as we look at this through these four weeks, because, you know, it is still hard to believe Easter is only four weeks from today, but during that final week, during Holy Week, or during Passion Week, there's different paths or different roads that Jesus took during that week. So what we're going to do during this series is we're going to look at four different roads that Jesus took during Holy Week. And of course, Holy Week begins with Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, and it ends with his resurrection on Easter Sunday. So instead of going chronologically and, you know, instead of starting today with his triumphant entry, I'm actually going to teach on that on, what would, on Palm Sunday. And of course, instead of teaching about his resurrection today, we'll teach about his resurrection on Easter Sunday. So, so the, this week and next week, we're going to go to the middle and the end of Holy Week and, and look at these two paths that Jesus took. And today we're going to look at Jesus' path through the Garden of Gethsemane. And you know, as we look at this, and we talked about last week, and even a little bit this morning, we all got junk that we, we have going on in our life. We have this stuff that goes on that stresses us, um, makes us really wonder about what we're doing. We become moody, we're anxious, we, we say things to our significant others that we wouldn't say to anybody else, and, and we're just kind of not in a good mood. And, and, and as we get the even more stress on us, or we're giving our significant other or someone else, we're giving them an attitude, we get more anxious because now we're starting to get that, that bitter, bitterness going between us. And I think part of it also takes away from our worship. We get so caught up in, in life and we get so caught up in everything that's going on that we kind of push away from leaning into God. We, we, we tend to do all these other things. And, and even as I said last week, Jesus went through suffering. And it's good to know that, but ultimately in my life, it's like, man, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to go through this junk anymore. And God, can't you just take it away? You know, you're an all-powerful God. Take it away. I'm here. I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to do all this stuff. Why am I going through what I'm going through? And hearing someone say, well, Jesus suffered isn't always the answer. It's like, yeah, okay, I know that, but, but, you know, we put that me, myself, and I into the equation. We worry about ourselves. And, you know, I, I try to lean into the Father of mercies. You know, we talked about that last week. Him being the Father of mercies and leaning into Him. And it's still, sometimes i got to ask, well, God, why? Why am I going through what I'm going through? You know, hey, do I have some type of unconfessed sin? You know, Lord, if I failed you, show it to me. Or is this for your glory for something else? And I have to ask them questions and and it still gets kind of hard. And, you know, this week I was listening, there's a new song out called Believe. And it's put out by Blessing Offer. And it actually asks some questions that I think a lot of us ask when we're going through some type of suffering. And part of the lyrics say this. What if you know something I don't? What if you will something that I won't? 
if you don't give me what I want, but you give me what I need, is that enough to believe in your love? Is it still, and will I still believe in your love? So you think about that, and it's kind of a question that I ask sometimes. What if God wills something to me that I wouldn't, that I won't? Am I still going to believe in his love? You know, I know he's all-powerful. I know he knows everything. He, he knows what my future is going to be, and, and I don't. But sometimes I just want what I want. I'm not alone in that, am I? Y'all just don't walk around and say, okay, God, your will, I'm going to do what you call me to do, right? All of us kind of want, well, God, can you, I, I, this is a want, it's really not a need. Can, can you give this to me? But then also, I think sometimes when we go through this, it actually, we got to ask that question, with what we're going through, do we still believe in his love? And I think sometimes as we're going through stuff, instead of believing in his love, instead of believing in his provision, we kind of go the other way. We kind of start leaning on ourselves and figuring, oh, well, I'll figure it out myself. And as I listened to this song, I really got to thinking of, how do I react when God doesn't give me what I want? Or how do I actually react when he wills something that I wouldn't will for myself? And, and, and as I look back, I, I realize that Jesus went through the same thing. And, and what we're going to be looking at today is exactly that same thing of, of Jesus going through suffering that he really didn't want to go through. And you actually see it in the scripture. He's asking for a different way. But ultimately, he leans into God's will and what God wants done with it. And so I think for us, we need to really look and see as we walk this path with Jesus and as we go through his word, will we actually believe in accepting God's will instead of what we want? And I think one of the things I hope that we all see today and and. The scripture we're going to look at actually takes place on Thursday evening of Holy Week. Now, Jesus and the disciples were already had their upper room experience. So they've been in the upper room. Jesus washed their feet, including Judas' feet. That's a whole other sermon. I won't get into that one because I don't know if I'd wash Judas' feet. But that's why he's God and I'm not. But then at the same time, we see they actually instituted the Last Supper or, or Communion. And he even predicted that Peter would deny him three times. So all of this happened, and then they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And what I want us to see through this is that Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, it modeled for his disciples his dependence on the Father, and that it should also be a model for us on our dependence of God. If we're followers of Jesus and we're going to claim that, we are followers of Jesus, we're going to do what he did, then we also need to depend on the goodness of our Father. We need to be willing to do what he calls us to do, not what we want to do ourselves. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Mark chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. Um, but as always, it will also be up here on the screen. 
So Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 42. And it says this, Then they came to a place named Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. He went a little farther, fell to the ground, and prayed, If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and he found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay awake an hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once again, he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. And again, he came and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. They did not know what to say to him. Then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The time has come. See, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's go. See, my betrayer is near. So what we see here is Jesus is, is confident in the Father without exception. Even though he's grieving, even though he's going through stuff, he, he knows and he, he knows his impending death is coming. He still depends on the Father. He still goes to the Father uh, on three different occasions to have this time with him. And can you really imagine the state or what Jesus was going through? Yeah, and I think it's something that we overlook. You know, because when I look at Jesus, I think, you know, uh, human but God. I think, you know, never sinned, uh, you know, just lived this incredible life. But here we see his human emotion. And, and I think it's hard for me to understand, wait a minute, if you're my creator and you're all of this, then, then how can you go through these emotions that I go through? Because you're God and I'm not. But this is where we see the humanness of Jesus. We see that he stressed. We see that he suffered just like we do. And even to the fact that he stressed and suffered more than us. And I think sometimes we overlook exactly what he was going through. You know, we kind of think, well, I know I had a bad day. I must know how Jesus felt. Do you really? You know, imagine the stress of his life. Knowing what was going to happen, knowing his impending death, knowing that everything he was going to have to go through, and he depended on the Father. He went to God in prayer, seeking God's will, seeking what God wanted for him to do, even asking, can you take this from me, but going in the different direction. You know, I, I think as we look at this and we, we kind of say, I can't imagine God's feeling that way, but his word shows it to us. As you read it, you see how human Jesus really was. And, you know, Jesus was deeply distressed and even says he was deeply troubled to the point of death. Now, what's interesting in the Gospel of Luke, Luke gives a little more detail of this prayer. And in Luke twenty-two forty-two, 
44, it actually says this. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling on the ground. Have you ever been that stressed? Think about it. Have you ever been that stressed to, to where your sweat and everything is like blood falling on the ground? That's some serious stress. That, that is something I don't think I could ever say I've had that much anguish in my life, that I've been that stressed in my life, that I've actually sweat blood. So trying to comprehend what Jesus is going through, I don't think we really get it. And, and going through all of this sweating blood and, and going all this, what did he do? He went to God three times. He goes to his heavenly father three times in prayer. And the first prayer is actually in verse uh, 35 and 36 where it said this. He went a little farther, fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus is in despair. Sweat is coming off of his face. And you think about it. Think about when you get stressed. Think about when, when you really get stressed, what happens? You start to sweat. Your palms get clammy. Your, your, your shirt kind of gets covered in sweat and dirt now, and, and, and you just it's just a funk that's around you. And you're like, oh, you just, it's hard to imagine. That's what Jesus is going through. Worse than what we go through. He's going through all this, and he goes to the Father and even asks, you know, can you take this cup from me? It tells you Jesus was looking for another way. Lord, is there another way to do this? Take this cup. Take this cross from me. I'm feeling it. And imagine at this point in time, he hasn't gone through everything he's going to go through. He is feeling the stress of what he's going to be going through the next day. The humiliation, the beatings, the scourging, the, the dripping out of his blood is what he's going to be going through. And, and understand, all of that should have happened to us. He is doing that for us because we're the sinners, he wasn't. So he was willing to take all this stress, all this anguish on himself because of us. What we deserved, what we should go through, he did for us. And to try and understand the stress and the anguish that he went through, I don't think we can comprehend it. Now, some of us may be able to comprehend a little more because we know what he went through because of us. We know our past. We know where we were at. We know the sins we've done in our life and the realization of, man, Jesus died for me for that. So we can understand that, man, I... It hurt. And it may hurt a little bit more when you look at, man, I remember, you know, all that alcohol I drank. I remember all those drugs I took. I remember all of this, uh, you know, whether it was on websites I shouldn't have been on, whatever it was, whatever that sin nature, that sin that had a grip on you, had you. He died for that. On this night, he's going through the stress of what you're going to be doing. Can you really comprehend what he's going through? 
Can you really understand the, why he sweat blood just looking at your own life? Now compound that by two billion people or more. The amount of stress he had on him was unbelievable. And he even says, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. I can confidently say that none of us know that type of sorrow. None of us know that type of distress. We can all relate to the word sorrow and distress because we've all went through it. Some of us may be going through it right now. You know, whether it's financial, whether it's emotional suffering, whether... You know, whatever it is going on in your life, we all understand the word suffering. But see, Jesus didn't want the cup. He even tells God, believing in faith of who God is, everything is possible for you. Knowing that if it was within God's will to do it a different way, God could do it a different way. He understood the power of God. He understood everything God could do and even told him, everything's possible for you. His suffering was real. His suffering was so bad that even in the Gospel of Luke, in verse 43 of chapter 22, it actually says that an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. So God even sent an angel to strengthen him. And I think in that form we really see Jesus' human nature. We see the form of Jesus as a human, as flesh and blood. We see a man who literally holds the whole world of sufferings in his hand. You know, we all sang that song, he holds the whole world in his hand. Well, guess what? He held the world's sufferings in his hand. Jesus didn't just ask God to change his fate. He ended his prayer in submission to God. After all of that, knowing everything he was going through, he said, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. He submitted to God through his suffering, through all of his anxiousness, everything that was going on, and in all of his suffering, he went before God. He shared his burden with him. He was asking God to take it if possible. And in the end, he submitted to God. He was obedient to what God's will was for his life. You know, I think at times in our own life, we, we, we run into that, you know, stress and anxiety and we kind of get derailed. We kind of get off track a little bit. You know, we'll will kind of maybe slip back and fall into some addiction that we used to have, or, or we may just react in different ways. And, and sometimes I think with all these things going on at the same time in our own life, it really takes a toll on us. And like I said, whether it's financially and you have no clue how I'm going to make these bills, and now you throw, throw heartache and this anguish on top of it, and it just seems to come compound and it seems to feel like it's getting worse and worse. And, you know, you see no end to it whatsoever. And you cry out, God, why am I suffering this way? God, why me? God, you said you'll provide for my needs. Why well, need my rent paid? God, you said you would do this and you're not doing it. And, 
and, and God the most important. Can you take it from me? Just give me the lotto numbers. Give me a whole new set of anxiety. Give me a whole new set of anguish. But, but I think when these moments of despair come on us, I think it really takes a heavy toll on us. And, and people who have went through a lot of it, a lot of times you see it in their face. You see it in their body. You, you can see the anguish, the suffering that they've gone through in their life. And as I've read through these words, and you know, I can't tell you how many times I've read this set of Scripture. And, and many years ago, the words popped out at me. And, and I got to thinking as I'm going through my own life, and I'm going through suffering, I'm going through anguish, and, and I'm going through all this stuff, why don't I say the same thing? Why don't I take that current situation I'm going through and just turn and say, you know what, however, God, your will, but not mine. Lord, may your will be done in this. And I will tell you, when I started doing that years ago, it really changed my perspective on stuff. Now, of course, I don't always jump out and say that at the beginning. You know, I kind of try and fix it myself. You know, hey, you know what? I got this despair going on. I, I can do this to fix it or whatever. But then when that burden becomes too much, I realize I need to give it to God. The battle belongs to him, not to me. And, and to be able to say, nevertheless, God, not my will, but yours be done. And it actually lifts my spirits. It kind of lifts that burden. Now, is the problem still there? Yes. But the weight of that burden on me, on my shoulders, becomes less. Because I know he's got the power to do it. I know he's going to show up. I know he's going to provide for whatever it is. And I know if there's a teaching lesson in it, he's going to teach me the lesson. I'm going to learn what it is I should have done instead of what I did do. But like I said last week, he is the father of mercies. He's going to give me mercy first. He's going to put the Band-Aid on it. Going to say, here you go, here's your Band-Aid. Now let me tell you what you should have learned and what you did and what you shouldn't have done. But ultimately it's going to him and really saying, you're, not my will, but your will be done. And I will tell you there's a big difference in saying it and believing it. Because I think a lot of people will say, oh, that sounds really good. Lord, your will be done, not mine. And, and then you walk away and you go do what you want to do anyways. Has anyone ever been there besides me? I just check and I, I don't want to be preaching to myself here. But, but I know I've said in the past, God, may your will be done and not mine. And, and, and I want to do what you call me to do. And, and God says, okay, go this way. And I do this. And, and then after I get over here, it's like that stress gets that much more. And the difficulty gets that much more on me. And now it's even more and more. And I realize, man, I just got to go back over here where he told me to go. I need to go back within his will instead of mine. And it makes a big difference in your life when you actually do what it calls you to do. And when you pray his word back to him, understand he's going to show up. His word is filled with promises for each one of us. But there's things each one of us have to do. It's not just say, claim it, you know, pray, claim it. Hey, it's God's word. It's mine. God, you said it, so it's mine. No, there's stuff that we got to do. 
And generally that's the verses before, the verses after that everyone seems to forget to read. You know, it's not a name it, claim it gospel. It's a you need to do things. So we need to make sure we're doing what we need to do. And ultimately what I found out to help me get through it all was just to be obedient. Be obedient to what he called me to do. And it's not easy. But guess what? Someone needs to hear that. All you need to do is be obedient to God. Not obedient to what this world's calling you to do. Not being obedient to what Satan may be calling you to do. Not being obedient to what your desires may call you to be doing. But being obedient to what God wills you to do. And there's a big difference between the two. But we need to be obedient to what he calls us to do. And you can look through the Bible and see it throughout. I look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul had a thorn in his side. We don't know what that thorn was. He went to God three different times. Can you remove this thorn from my side? Jesus went to God three different times. Can you take this cup from me? God didn't take it from either one of them. But both of them learned what God's strength was through that suffering. The Apostle Paul learned how to rely on God because of the suffering that he went through, whatever that thorn was in his side. He learned to be, uh, to be humble in front of God and to be the servant of God because God wouldn't take that thorn out of his side. Jesus went to the cross as the greatest sacrifice ever in history because he was obedient to what God called him to do. And because of him going to the cross, it brought salvation for every one of us because of his obedience. The Apostle Paul, through his writing of the New Testament, helps us to be more like Jesus, helps us to understand more of what's going on, and God used that thorn in his side in a mighty way because all things work out for the good of those who love God. All of it works out. It's just we've got to go through the process. We've got to put one foot in front of the other. It's not that whole, you know, hey, I'm sitting on my couch eating Cheetos and bonbons and I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord. He's coming. I'm waiting. No, waiting requires action. When we wait on the Lord, we're still walking. We're still doing something. We're not just sitting there stagnant. When you have faith in the Lord, it requires action. It requires you to move. It requires you to take steps of obedience. It requires you to dig deeper into his word and sometimes look deeper into yourself and see, hey, is all this suffering, is all this begging of God, is it just, I don't see it happening, I'm frustrated, I can't believe God's not doing this, and that's it. I'm done. I'm walking away from religion. Because that's what happens. When you're trying to live off yourself, when you're trying to do it yourself, and you're not hearing the voice of God, and you're not obeying, saying, hey, I'm doing what I want to do. God, your will ain't working for me. Satan's going to creep in. It's going to hurt your relationship with God. It's going to hurt your relationship with other people. And guess what? What you're going through ain't going to get any better. It might just get a whole lot darker. It might take you to places you don't want to be or places that you've been that you never wanted to go back to. 
But when we're not being obedient and, and we get to that point of, well, God doesn't love me because I'm suffering. No, He loves you through your suffering. As I said last week, He's going to be there for you. And, and through that suffering, one of the things that I've always learned is I, I say, God, what can you teach me from this? Strengthen me through this suffering. Strengthen me through this time. Just like you did for Jesus. Just like you did the Apostle Paul. Strengthen me through this time so that I can be better at the other side. I know it's going to hurt. I know I'm going to be emotional. I may be sad. I may cry. I may go through all these different things. But Lord, I know we're walking through it together. He's going to be by my side. He's going to help me through that suffering. And I'm going to be better on the other side. And I'm going to be strengthened by him on the other side. And then I'm going to be able to take that suffering and someday down the line, there's going to be somebody going to come up and say, Pastor, I got a drinking problem. Pastor, I got this problem. Or I got this. And I'm going to kind of chuckle to myself because I'm going to remember back in the day when I had that same problem and how God carried me through it to where I am today. And now he's going to use that past suffering for me to be able to help someone else who's suffering. That I'm going to be able to come by their side and then God can use me to walk them through that suffering and take them and help to carry them to that other side because that's the way God works. But we need to go through it. We need to understand it. And we need to say, you know what, God? Not my will, but yours. You do what you do and take me through it. Do what your word causes you to do and that I can believe and rest on what you say. Because here's the reality. <coughs> if you've accepted Jesus, then you say you've turned your life over to him. So if you've actually turned your life over to him, it's not yours anyways. So why are you trying to control it? We, we, we want to still be in control. We want to still do what we want to do. But yet, in Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So as followers of Jesus, we need to pick up our cross daily. For some of us, we need to pick up our cross every minute. It's, it's the truth. I've been there. I've done that. It's like, okay, in the morning I pick it up and somewhere along the line I lose it. I got to go back and find it and pick it up again. But if we're going to pick up our cross, we're going to follow him. We need to deny ourselves just like he denied himself in the garden. Lord, if there is a way, take this cup from me. He didn't want to have to go to that cross. But he knew he was the only way. He knew in the end salvation would come through him, and he had to be obedient to God's will and not his own. As all-powerful as God is, he knew he had to go through that suffering. There is suffering in our life that, Sometimes we just got to go through it. And, and as we learned back in our last series, the, the reason there's evil and suffering in the world 
is because of us. We're the reason there's evil and suffering. When God created man, it was all good. And he gave us free will. He gave us free will so we could learn to love, but at the same time as we learned to love, we learned what evil was. So we're the reason there's evil and suffering in the world. So we're going to go through it. So if we're going to go through it, we might as well have God go through it with us and allow for His will to take us where we want to be and understand that we need to hold on and believe in His love. Believe in His love even if He doesn't give you what you want. Even if He wills what you want. You need to always believe in His love and understand that, that He will not leave you in that pit of despair. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He's going to carry you through it. And all we have to do is say, not my will, but your will, God. Let us do what you want us to do. And my big thing here is that as you look at this garden scene, the Garden of Gethsemane, wow. Um, it was a point of no return for Jesus. It was that he was, there was no turning back. There was no turning back at this point in time. He was headed to the cross, and we see his full commitment to the Father. And I think it reminds us how we should be truly committed to God also. Are you truly committed to God? We try. That's the truth. We try. What would it look like if we were truly committed to God and actually said, you know what, God, your will, not mine? How would that affect your family? How would it truly affect your family, your coworkers, your friends, if, if everything in the world is just going crazy, kind of like the world is now, and you just have this calm spirit? You're just walking through it saying, you know what? Uh, I'm living in God's will, not mine. I may not agree with it. I may not want this going on in my life. But God's going to use this for His glory in the end. And I just need to give up and let Him have it. Give up control, which is hard to do. I know I got, like I said before, OCD or CDO, be alphabetical order. You know, I, I, things got to be in a place. And I'll be the first to say, hey, we serve a God of order. Exactly. When you're going through despair, it's chaos. He doesn't bring that. But he will bring you through it. And what a difference in impact we could make, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of our family, our friends, co-workers, because they're going to see that you're different. They're going to see something about you when everything's going crazy and you're just walking that walk. And they're going to turn, they're going to ask you, yo, what, what is up with you? Do you not see what's going on in the world? Yeah, I see it. But I believe in his will, not mine. I know what the end of his word says. I know where we're going to be. I know what the end calls for. In the end, we win. 
We're going to have to go through stuff. And that's it. I know it's not going to be a perfect life. I know my life won't be perfect. I know there's going to be struggles. I, I know all of this. But I just need to give up control. I just need to be obedient to my God, to my Creator. Because His will and His plans are so much better than mine. So much bigger than mine. I can't imagine the plans that He's got. I can try. I got plans. He probably laughs at them. I was told a long time ago when you make plans, write it in pencil because God's going to erase it anyways. Let His will be done in your life. Let, let Him be the one who, who takes those steps and changes you from the inside out. And maybe you're here today and you're like, hey, Pastor, that's really good, but uh, I don't know Jesus. And I don't understand this whole God's will thing, and, and I really don't understand, you, you know, I, I need to control my own life. Well, no, you don't. All you need to do is accept Jesus and start doing what His Word calls you to do. And then you may be saying, well, Pastor, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know. I know the sins that put Jesus on that cross. And I need to get myself right before, I, before he'll accept me. Well, I want to let you know that God's word says we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. So we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. So the person sitting next to you in church right now is a sinner. Guess what? The person up here talking right now is a sinner. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. But yet God showed his love for us that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, now that's the beginning. And you might say, wow, that's awesome. I accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. It's all going to be puppies and unicorns and flowers from here on out no following Jesus is one of the hardest things I've ever done trying to be like the perfect son of God is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life and guess what I'm still doing it because I haven't perfected it I still mess up I'm still a sinner I still fall short of the glory of God but I know I can go to him and ask for forgiveness I can go to him and say, you know what, God? Your will, not mine. God, you take control of my life. And honestly, do it. So if you've never accepted Jesus, you know, God's word says today is the day of salvation. You can make that move today. You can accept Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior and let him start to change you from the inside out. Or maybe you're sitting there and you've got all this junk and all this stress going on in your life and, and you're trying to do it on your own. Maybe today's to say the day you say, not my will, but yours. And instead of just saying it, actually do it. Actually give it back to God. If he is your Lord and Savior, he is the master of your life. Which means he controls what you do. 
Give him control over your life. Give him control over your whole life. Give him control over your finances, your family, your business, your job, whatever it is, especially your stress. Let him take control over it and walk with him on the path that he has for you. So I want to encourage you today that that after this final song, well, after my prayer and and during this final song, if, if you need prayer, I want to encourage you. I'm going to have some prayer partners up front up here. So I'm going to ask Valerie, Maureen, and John to come up front. And, and during this final song, as everybody's leaving, if you need prayer, while everyone's going that way, go ahead and swim upstream. Go ahead and come up here, and, and they'll be more than happy to pray with you and pray for you. If you want to accept Jesus, They'll walk you down the path and they'll pray with you to accept Jesus into your life. Or maybe you just need to come up and, man, I'm stressing. I need to understand how to, how to give God this and actually let it go. Can you pray with me or for me? And they'll be more than happy to pray with you and more than happy to pray for you. And like I said, after I pray, you're free to go. You can stay in worship as they play a final worship song. You can stay in worship with them through the song, or you can leave. You can come up here and pray, whatever it is. But I want when you leave here today, and you go throughout the week, there's something we're all called to do, right? Can you read it with me? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So during this week as you're out there, do exactly that. Not only give it back to God and ask Him for His will to be done, preach the gospel. And you can preach the gospel through your words and your actions. Saying, God, your will, not mine, that's preaching the gospel. Because the world wants to control everything. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. And Lord, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your time in the garden. Lord, even while you were in the garden, we see that you were stressing. We, We see that you were anxious. We see that you were going through exactly what we go through. So we were able to see you in your human form. So Lord, we know that you understand what we're going through. And Lord, we thank you for being a personal God. We thank you for you wanting that relationship with each one of us as an individual and all of us as a whole. Lord, that you're willing to go to the cross and die for us so that we could come to the Father. Lord, so that we could spend eternity with you. And Lord, just seeing your words, otherwise let your will be done, not mine. Lord, those words are so powerful and so humbling at the same time. Lord, as we go through this week, 
May we truly believe and may we truly ask that your will be done instead of ours. And Lord, we love you, we honor you, we seek to praise and glorify you in all that we do. And we make this prayer in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.